for podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Off we go to the Windy City's David Kaplan. He's sponsored by Centurion Stone of Iowa. He joins us in his regular spot. He's off the air. His shift is over. Cap, he joins us. Cap, Trent and Ken, thanks for coming on, Cap. How are you? What's up, boys? You haven't had the fine people at Centurion Stone call me yet. I'm serious. I want to use them. I hear they're awesome. No, they are. And I'm stopping there this afternoon. Well, there I will, you go. I will make the hookup happen this afternoon for you, Cappy. You're awesome. Good stuff. Cap, uh, we got to get some bears in here, but I guess i got to start with the Cubs because I want to get this question in. Or it's more of a statement, and I want to hear how, uh, if you agree or not. We've seen a lot of ballparks throughout Major League Baseball go to the cardboard cutouts, and I know that there's going to be a lot in the NFL do the same thing. The NBA's got that virtual fans behind them. The more I watch the Cubs, which is every night, the more I'm – I'm glad that the Cubs didn't do anything to their ballpark. Wrigley Field, the seats are empty, and they didn't put anybody in those seats behind them. I think it adds class to it, Cap. I really do. One of the historic ballparks, our historic venues in all of sports, and they left it as is. They didn't try and trick it up, and I, for one, am glad. How about you? Yeah, whatever. Didn't really bother me. <laughs> Excuse me, that the White Sox did, and back. One of my producers thought it'd be really funny to buy a cutout of me from my coaching days. And so there's this David Kaplan with hair with a basketball <laughs> sitting there in whatever section it is at guaranteed rate. It raised money for charity. I don't care. Not like the NHL has done what you are saying, and it's all empty. Mm-hmm. The NBA has virtual fans where you log in on Zoom, and you have to be there for the whole game. You can literally see real fans, albeit virtually, and I think that's cool as could be. I like that better than anything I've seen. Cubs, uh, comfortable. Three-game lead. It was a weird weekend. The five-gamer against the Cardinals win the Cappers and lose the middle three games of that five-game set. Come back last night, get the Reds. It feels like they're comfortably going to be, at the very least, a playoff team. How do they set up for that first round? A three-gamer very well could be in Wrigley for the opening round. How do you think they set up for a three-game set needing win two out of three? Uh, you know, if you tell me that they had to win the last game to get in and now they you know, don't have Darvish or Hendricks at the start, they're in trouble. No question about it. If you tell me that they're going to win the division, they could set their pitching up, and they go Darvish Hendrick at Wrigley, we may be in a bubble. It may not matter. Yeah. Um, I think they set up pretty well. Now, if you're the opponent and you think, well, we can scratch out a win against one of those two guys, we can put them out. We can beat them because you trust Alec Mills, Adbert Alzali, mm. Tyler Chatwood if he's off the injured list, Jose Quintana if he's off the injured Like, Do you trust? one of those guys to win you a playoff game. And again, everyone will think, oh, it's just another baseball game. It actually isn't. Everything gets ramped up. Every pitch you hang on, it's just more pressure. And my biggest problem with Jose Quintana has always been, yeah, he was a good pitcher for the White Sox. He never pitched in a high-leverage game in his life. 
There's a big difference taking the ball and going, oh, we're playing whoever, the Twins at guaranteed rate, but we're 17 games out of first place. Or, hey, man, we expect to try and win the World Series. Here's the ball. We're at Wrigley Field, and you're battling the L.A. Dodgers. Some guys aren't built for that stuff. I'm not sure he is. Hmm. Cap, what do we make of Javier Baez? He had a couple of nights ago, when I guess it would have been Monday, three infield singles, found a way to get on. He, he hustled down the line, beat on a couple of throws. Uh, last night he hit a ball to left field at uh, nine out of ten nights. That ball's in the bleachers. I didn't know that the players were not allowed to watch in-game video. What's behind that rule? Do you buy into the fact that that is hurting him in the batter's box? And do these last couple of games show you that maybe he's starting to come out of it? Yeah, I think he is. He's too good a player. You know, you can Mike Trout can have a two-month slump in a 162-game season, and the other four months he's Mike Trout, and everyone just thinks, you know, it's part of a long grind of a baseball season. When you slump for two months in a 60-game season, you look awful, and that's where Javi has been. So, yes, I think he's coming out of it. He said that they can't watch video, which is accurate. That came because of the Astros sign-stealing. And what it is. we didn't cheat. Yeah. He said, we didn't cheat. Why should we be penalized? Yeah. But what I would say to Javi is, yep, I know you have a routine. It would be like saying to the three of us, to you two and me, hey, guess what? You're doing a four-hour morning drive radio show this morning. We're not going to allow you to read the paper or look <laughs> at a computer. Okay. Well, guess what? When they turn the red light on and I have to talk into the microphone, I have to adjust. I have to find a way to get it done, just like the Cubs have to find a way to win a baseball game or Javi has to find a way to get a hit. So you can use that as an excuse, and yes, it's a fact, but every other guy in baseball has to make the same adjustment. So there's no pity parties for Javi Baez because he can't look at his video. Find a way, man. Go home at night. Watch every at bat, and then go. All right, I got to be better. I can't swing at that pitch sixteen inches off the plate. So, yeah, I understand where he's coming from, but in the end, every player's treated the same. Figure it out. Tough loss night. Lost yeah, last really night for was. the Pale Hose. Yep. Uh, a bullpen game. Wild pitch in there, or pass ball. However, you looked at it late in that game. But I want to go to the starter, Dylan Cease, who. Boy, he's got a live arm, but never knew if he was going to be able to put it together. Another good effort out of him. Your thoughts on Cease going forward and just how much more upside's in this guy? He he's he pumps it up there, upper 90s. He's got the live arm. Boy, he feels really good. And even a night where he wasn't striking guys out, he was good again last night. Yeah, he was outstanding. Look, he's got great, great stuff. My allergies are killing me. He has great stuff. Great curveball. Great velocity, but he nibbles too much. You go back and watch all his starts. You can do it you know, on the MLB app if you've got MLB TV. Go back and watch and this guy's throwing 101 miles an hour and he's nibbling at the corners. Hey man, command your fastball up and down, move it around and quit nibbling. Quit throwing sliders that are 8 inches off the plate hoping somebody swings. You have the best stuff going. Literally, he's got top 10 stuff in the game. Stop nibbling. And when he does and he commands his fastball, he is going to be an elite, 
top of the rotation arm. I love Dylan Cease and still can't believe that my Cubs gave him up in the Quintana. Yeah. More salt in that <laughs> Yeah, left field's uh, another thing, too. Uh, Cap, uh, this, this White Sox team is fun to watch, and they're going to be fun to watch for the next uh, handful of years. I don't think there's any question about that with with uh, Giolito and, and, and Keuchel. And watching Luis Robert night in and night out, the catch he made in Kansas City on Saturday night was uh, just an all-timer. Yeah, it really yeah. was. He had no business getting that ball, but yet somehow ran it down. So let's go to the Bears, Cap. You and I were both right. We both said Trubisky, and this was before COVID, yeah. uh, that we said that this guy's going to win the job. Yeah, they signed Nick Foles, but you know what? It's going to be Trubisky on week number one, whenever that is and whoever it happens to be against. Well, we know it's this weekend. We know it's the Lions. What do you expect from a Mitch Trubisky-led offense this year? How will it be different, Cap? Well, from what I'm hearing, he is more accurate. He's not as upright when he throws. Now, let's go back to last year. Mitch was bad. No question about it. He had games where he was awful. But they did him absolutely no favors. First of all, let's tear your left labrum. We can go, well, you got to find a way to man up. A labrum tear is a big problem. Okay, now let's give you zero productivity out of the tight end. Literally, the three of us were as good an option as what they had. Trey Burton couldn't get on the field. Adam Shaheen stunk. was a bad pick. Okay, who's your second receiver? Well, Anthony Miller strained his shoulder or separated it again. Riley Lee and Javon Wims gave you absolutely nothing. And you had Allen Robinson. And despite that, Allen still had a monster year. Oh, well, let's have horrific play calling. Let's have zero running game. Oh, let's have a terrible offensive line. So add it all up, it was the perfect storm of a pile of garbage from the offense. And Mitch was absolutely at the helm of that and deserves his share of the blame, but not all of the blame. Well, now they feel like they're better on the O-line. Kyle Long, who's my friend who I love, he couldn't stay healthy. He was done after four games, and he probably wasn't healthy for three of the four that he did play before they got rid of him to IR, and then he retired. They had awful play calling. Like, Mitch isn't a gunslinger, throw 54 times. Matt's smarter than that, and he's better than that. But his response is, well, my offensive line stunk. I had no running game, so I have to throw. So I look at this team and go, Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet. That is literally like moving from an outhouse to a penthouse based on those two versus what you had. I'm not telling you they're Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. There's two solid players there. Now you've added a healthy Anthony Miller, a much better Riley Ridley, Javon Wims, Ted Ginn, who still gives you wheels at 35 years old, Allen Robinson. You've upgraded your offensive line. You like your coaching staff. And Mitch spent the entire pandemic working with one of the best quarterback teachers in the game, and Jeff Christensen. A name that uh, people... Some of the accuracy... Pardon me? Oh, I was going to say, Christensen, a name that the people here in the state of Iowa know very well. His son was a quarterback Correct. at Iowa for a few years. Correct. And so they feel like he's in a much better place. Now, the one thing that would concern me, and again, I'm a Mitch guy. He's got to prove it. He has not, since last season, no preseason games, he has never faced a pass rush with ill intent that is determined to, and I'm not saying they got to injure him, but they're determined to drive him into the ground and knock him down 
and make him hurt and make him become inaccurate as a quarterback. He knew in camp Khalil Mack, whether he beat the left tackle, whether he stunted and came up the middle, whether Keem Hicks was there or Robert Quinn, they knew immediately that he's not going to get hit. He could step into every throw. He could measure his throw and know he's never going to get cut. So that's my big concern. Defensively, Khalil Mack had a down season for him last year. Still was pretty good defense last year. But Eddie Goldman, his loss after he decided to opt out because of COVID, it's impactful, certainly. What are your expectations for this Bears defense? Certainly a Bears defense, if they're going to be a good team this year, they got to keep them in a lot of games. Yeah, I think they're going to be a top-five defense. Now, certainly the loss of Eddie Goldman as a run stuffer and a guy could collapse the pocket, that's a big loss. I did hear today that they have interest. Doesn't mean they're going to get a deal done in a guy named Damon Snacks Harrison, Mm. who played for the Giants, played for the Lions, Lions, hated his experience in Detroit, said that I'm a nose tackle. That's what I do. And the Lions didn't use him that way, so he said, please let me go. Now, he's a free agent. He hasn't signed anywhere. I don't know if that's because he wants more money than people are willing to give or someone doesn't describe the job to him that he thinks he's best suited for, but he fits in Chicago. I mean, if you plug and play him as a nose with Bilal Nichols and some of the guys that they can stick in the middle there, and then you got Akeem Hicks next to you and Mack and Trevathan and Roquan and Robert uh, Quinn, all of a sudden, that's a pretty fearsome front seven. So we'll see if they bring him in. And Eddie Jackson, one of the best safeties in the game, patrolling the back end. Uh, Cap, are they a playoff team? We'll let you go on that. Are, are the Bears going to the playoffs? They are going to the playoffs, and they're going to be 11-5. and five. <laughs> All right. And that wins We're... the division at 11-5. and five. Can I sign the contract for that somewhere? Mm-hmm. Sign it up right now and bring <laughs> me with you to the playoff game. Good deal. Cap, uh, Trent's going to Centurion Stone this afternoon. They'll Mm -hmm. be in touch. Thank you, Cappy, for what you do for us. I look forward to it. You got it. Have a good week, pal. See you, boys. Take care. David Kaplan. I meant that uh, Cappy's just um, NBC Sports Chicago. Mm -hmm. He's going to do a Bears post. Oh, nice. I think it was announced this morning or yesterday at some point. I've I've watched that program many times in the past after usually those noon windows and if there isn't anything overly compelling, at least right away, Mm -hmm. flip over. Or if it's a big win, you want to watch a little bit more, watch the highlights and, and get over there. They do a really good job over there and a lot of former Bears that are involved. So excited to see Cappy a part of that Cap this year. will be hosting it. Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors David Kaplan. Centurion Stone of Iowa. You don't have to live in Illinois. They serve customers here locally uh, as well. And what would they serve? Well, if you're looking for manufactured or natural stone, you want to do something the exterior, uh, interior, the fireplace area, your man cave, you want some stone on the wall, Centurion Stone has a variety of styles, patterns, and colors for your every need, over 200 of them. Check them out online, centurionstoneofiowa.com, or you can find them the showroom. You, uh, stop by, I'd be glad you did, Blue Trenton Highway, 5525 Northeast 22nd Street in Des Moines. It's essentially across the street from the Animal Rescue League, yep. if you've been in that part of of uh, uh, of Des Moines, 5525 Northeast 22nd Street in Des Moines. Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors Cappy on a weekly basis. So Cubs going to the playoffs, White Sox going to the playoffs, Bears are going to the playoffs. It's going pretty well, huh? It is in Chicago, as long as the Blackhawks even made the playoffs in they hockey. They did. And I hope that run is over <laughs> <laughs> as, a t- as a fan of a team in that division. Sure. 
Anyways, we'll see. Good stuff out of Cappy. Uh, just past 11.20 here, Miller and Condon until noon. Going to talk some Cyclones next. They, after all, are playing this week. Ben Visser uh, from the Cedar Rapids Gazette. You know, I just checked. There's no depth chart. Still. Still. For Iowa State. Wednesday afternoon. Now, did you see Oklahoma? What Lincoln Riley said that they are not going yes. to update at all right. their COVID uh, numbers or anything like that because it could provide an unfair advantage to the other team. Come on here, Oklahoma. I mean, seriously. Mm-hmm. Coaches are weird. But if Rattler's out, do you want anybody to... Yeah, yeah, here's the thing, Trent. And again, Colorado just signed... The University of Colorado just signed an agreement with a sports wagering company. Mm-hmm. Sports wagering is a part of this country, whether you like it or not, legally in a lot of states now. If somebody has information on Spencer Rattler, yeah. on Brock Purdy, on whomever, they can exploit that information. Uh, transparency is key in this world. I'm not saying you need to tell us he's got COVID. Mm-hmm. Come out and say he's out. Yep. He's in not available. Not available. Not available. available. Participation list. There you go. Simple and as there's that. there's no czar in college football. There, there's no uniformity. You don't have to. Coaches won't if they don't have no. to. No. I guess there's no rule. You don't have to put out a depth chart. Everybody but Matt Campbell does. Well, Jim Harbaugh also has played around with that in the past. Well, he's not playing this year. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> Matt Campbell's team is. You want that depth chart. We need that depth chart. We do. We need a Big Ten schedule, too. Uh, that's true. We need to go to break. Ben Vester's next. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Condon, welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM, NCMIC. Sponsors our Farmer's Markets Update. You just heard about Beaverdale. Trent is indeed correct, as the commercial says, tonight from 4 until 7.30 at Franklin Middle School. But they're not alone. Johnson's Farmer's Market continues on. They are 3.30 until 6.30. The Simpson Barn tonight, 6169 North Glen Drive in Johnson. NCMIC NITMIC sponsors our Farmers Market Daily Updates. All right, let's talk Cyclones. Ben Visser is here, Cedar Rapids Gazette. I think it's got a chance to maybe be the best game of the weekend. The number's 11.5. That seems like a lot of points. Ben Visser joins the program. Ben, Trenton, Ken. Thanks for coming on, Ben Visser. How are you? Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm doing good. How are you guys? Doing very well. Looking forward to 11 o'clock on uh, Saturday morning when uh, the curtain goes up on Iowa State's college football season. We'll get into the what we think we might see. Uh, what do you think we might see out of the Raging Cages? This is a pretty good football team, especially offensively, although Trent reminds me whenever I say that uh, that uh, they got eight guys returning on defense as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they got a lot of guys coming back. Not an easy spot for opponent number one for Iowa State. Yeah, absolutely. The more I look into this Raging Cajuns team, the more I like them. Um, like Trent said, their defense shouldn't be overlooked, but their offense really does stand out. Um, they got two really accomplished running backs. Um, the first, the main guy, I guess you could call him Elijah Mitchell. He ran for 
over 1,100 yards last year and scored 16 touchdowns. Um, so he's a really um, impressive back. And then their second back, which is almost like a second main back, is Trey, and I can't pronounce his name, last name, but Ragas, I think, something like that. Um, he rushed for over 800 yards and had 11 touchdowns. So they have two really accomplished running backs. And that doesn't even touch on their quarterback, who is the preseason Sunbelt Player of the Year. Um, Levi Lewis is, I mean, he's, Matt Campbell said he's going to be one of the best senior quarterbacks in the nation this year. So, I mean, he passed for over 3,000 yards last year. He only threw four interceptions, so he takes care of the ball. He can run it. He's, I mean, he's really almost a complete package. We asked um, Anthony Johnson, um, Iowa State's cornerback, yesterday, who he kind of reminds him of, and he reminds him of Kyler Murray, he said. Now, I don't think he's going to be quite as impressive as Kyler Murray, but, I mean, Levi Lewis is going to be a problem for a lot of defenses, and I think Iowa State, he's going to be a problem for Iowa State, too. Ben, take us to first week, obviously. Game week is here, and you guys doing your interviews interviews through Zoom. Just, I mean, it has to be a completely different experience, but I know there's times you're working on a story, you have an idea, Maybe you want to pull a guy to the side a little bit so so Petey or Birchie or some of the other beat guys don't get on on the questioning. Just how difficult was it to pull off in trying to come together with story ideas leading into the first game of the year? Yeah, that's been weird. You're absolutely right. A lot of times after a Monday or Tuesday morning press conference, you can pull a coach aside and talk to him off to the side for a little bit, a couple, two, three minutes, get a little extra insight on some players. But now it's been more of, you just kind of have to ask and people might take your story idea. People might not. And you just, it's a reality that we kind of have to live with. Um, I mean, Randy Peterson, the last three uh, interviews we've had, he's asked about Jaquan Bailey. I'd be willing to bet Randy <laughs> Peterson is putting together a Jaquan Bailey. Story. Uh-huh. Um, so it's, it's been tough a little bit. Um, they take longer than usual. Um, it's, a really interesting time, but it's something that we have to deal with in this era, and I'm glad we are dealing with it because that means we're playing football. So um, it's a, a negative, but it's not anything that's, you know, too bad or anything. Uh, this is uh, the, the quarterback as well. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, Levi Lewis. He's a lefty. Um, yeah. Iowa State's not, I'm guessing, not going to see another lefty this year. How do they prepare for? Is Decker's a lefty? Do I remember seeing? Him? Yes, I think he is, he is right. Yep. So, yep. so that Deckers would is a lefty. so that would be uh, he would be playing. I'm guessing Lewis on the scout team. But has has Haycock been asked about that? Have you guys had a chance to get with the coordinators and what kind of problems right out of the shoot uh, does a, a left-handed quarterback pose? Or maybe it's better because you have longer to prepare for a lefty, knowing that you're going to face one in week one. Although they weren't scheduled till the last <laughs> month. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, neg- um, I guess that's another negative. We haven't been able to talk to the coordinators at all yet, so we haven't talked to Haycock or Manning or any of them, which is unfortunate. They do provide extra insight that I do enjoy getting. Um, but, yeah, Levi Lewis is a lefty. I'm sure you're right. Hunter Deckers is playing Levi on the scout team. Um, but it does mess things up for uh, defense a little bit because if you want a quarterback to um, roll left most of the time, so they have to throw, you know, open, open, throw across their body, this time, when you have him roll left, it's that's his natural way to roll. So um, you got to play with your pressures a little bit. Uh, cornerbacks have to be aware of, hey, he's going to roll this certain way, so you're going to have to stay on your coverage a little bit longer or certain things like that. So lefty does provide a little bit of a, a twist for defenses. 
Ben Visser joining us from the Cedar Rapids Gazette as we talk Iowa State with game week here upon us. Offensive line, it's a huge question. I know you wrote about it over at the Gazette. What are the answers that you have found to this point? And it's a concern, no doubt. How good do you think Matt Campbell really feels going into game one about his front five? Mm. I think he feels good about it. Um, generally speaking, I, I don't think he's going to feel really good about it until after the game. Um, he mentions a lot every year, it seems like, um, that you don't really know what you have until the lights come on. Like, a guy can just light it up in practice and be lights out, but when the lights come on, they might shrink a little bit. So while I think he feels good about where the offensive line stands, I'm not sure he's incredibly confident that it's going to be um, a good offensive line until they actually get that first game under their belt. Have you done your season forecast yet, Ben? And if so, did you? I mean, I, I keep looking at it. You can see a six and four if all things go well. If the offensive line is is you know comes close to Campbell's expectation, you can maybe make a case for a seven and three last, uh, this year. Beat Texas last year. This game right out of the shoots. Uh, I, I think is uh, uh, they could have found an easier foe, but they were up against it. So, have you done your season forecast? If so, where do you have Iowa State uh, with their ten game slate? I haven't done an official season forecast yet but i off the top of my head and looking at it i think seven and three is maybe the most likely i think six and four is definitely in the mix as well it really i mean this season i think is impossible to forecast they probably won't play 10 games we already have three big 12 games can or not canceled postponed they're going to try to say mm-hmm. three big 12 games postponed for this first week so probably don't even get to 10 games um it depends on who's healthy for each team um, who's on the COVID report, who's on the injury report, all that stuff. So um, it's anyone who says they can project this season is wrong. Um, but I, if you put me on the spot, seven and three, six and four, if they play all 10 games is where I'm going to sit at. More testing today for the Iowa State football team. They'll be tested again on Friday, three times a week, the mandate from the Big 12 and obviously got to get through these tests. As of yesterday, there weren't any positives inside the football program that was currently happening. Have you got much information, Ben, on what it looks like when the guys come in? I mean, are they socially distanced as they make their way into the football building? How does it look as these guys are tested on a three-time-a-week basis? Yeah, that's a good question. It's one that they haven't really gone into how that looks. Um, I assume that they are socially distanced if they come in the building and prepare for tests. Um, on the conference call on Monday, Les Miles, the Kansas coach, um, said it's all saliva-based tests now. They've moved away from the nasal swab, so they don't have to stick that thing way up halfway in your brain. Um, so they got the saliva test now, so I assume that makes it a lot quicker, a lot easier for them, um, a lot less invasive, obviously. So I think they're really streamlining the process and um, I would say, I mean, like you said, has done a good job up to this point. No current positive tests on the team. Um, got to get through two more tests, but um, things are looking good for Iowa State to play the first game on the Sun Belt's conference call. Um, the, the Louisiana coach, Billy, I forget his okay. last name. Yeah, uh, he said that they have very, very few positive tests. So it looks like this game on Saturday should happen. Um, it won't be the fourth Big 12 game postponed, so... Um, all signs are positive as far as that goes. 
Good stuff, Ben Visser. Thank you, Cedar Rapids Gazette, gazette.com backslash sports for Ben and for Morehouse and Halas and the entire team over there. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. I appreciate it. Good to talk to you, Ben Visser on Iowa State. Are you ready to take a stab at this 10-game slate? You want to W and L it? That's what I you're saying. No, I mean, well, we the... haven't yet, and it kicks off in third. How long? Well, let's say Wednesday. It is. So a couple of days, but. Yeah. All right, let's do it. I'm ready for it. I'm ready. I'm ready for This is official. I put this in the notebook. Okay, get the pen out. All right, I got the pen out. I'm going to get the notebook. I'm going to flip to our prediction you page. You know what? Let's take a break. Oh, you want to prepare a little <laughs> bit more, it looks well, like. Well, I've got one that I'm going back and forth All on. right, all right. Since we are going on record, we'll yeah. do that next. Miller & Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Whiskey of the Year. All right, Miller and Condon, welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM, quarter before noon. Miller and Condon, final segment. Murph and Andy coming up at two fanatics at four. Uh, Hawkeyes tonight, correct? It is, yeah. Hawk Central with Chad Leistico and Mark Emmert and Ross Peterson. That's six o'clock, I'm assuming. Six o'clock is when the boys will be back talking... Well, maybe more basketball here today. Maybe so. Let's get into Iowa State. Let's go on record. A 10-game slate in 2020. Let's go through them one by one, and we'll put them in the win column or the loss column, and we'll see where we're at. Add them all up when we get through them. Sound good? I am ready. This is right below our... 2020 MLB predictions we made here a couple yeah, months back. Out. Well, you know what? Those didn't shouldn't count because if, once we made them, they changed. Well, they look still pretty good well, for let's you. Keep them then. Yeah, yeah. You remember who you had in the World Series? No. Dodgers. Well, everybody did. Beating. I don't know the White Sox. Oh, yeah. That could happen. I had the Twins beating the Dodgers. I just went homer and said the hell with it. Yeah, well, I knew you would. <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, those three teams, by the way, Cleveland, yeah. White Sox, and Twins. Whew. What a race it's going to be. All teams playing over 600 baseball. That's nuts. Crazy. And then you got the Royals and the Tigers. Royals have fallen on hard times. They have. Uh, Iowa State, Louisiana, the Raging Cajun. We both think they're going to win, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Iowa State, I think it's going to be a nail-biter, Trent. I think it's going to be a really close game. 27-23. Yeah, I could see that. Something in that range. This is a good, good team it coming is. in. Good quarterback. 28 touchdowns, four picks last year. Mm-hmm. Out of their quarterback, two running backs that are on NFL radars. A defense that was second in the Sun Belt last year and returns eight starters. This is not a podunk team making their way up here. This is a team that can really play. And Billy Napier, their head coach, he is going to get a lot of opportunities, I think, after this season to move on and get a bigger job, maybe even in the SEC. Uh, yeah, it was close to Ole Miss last year. Mm-hmm. He was uh, one of the finalists in that one. All right, so uh, 1-0. They go to TCU two weeks later. Here's the thing. This was the game I was on the fence for. Okay. Because I thought TCU was that might be this year's Baylor. Mm-hmm. TCU's not going to have a game. Their game was postponed. But it was moved back to next week, the 19th. Oh, so they will have one. They will have a game under their belt. I th- okay. Uh, uh, I'm still picking Iowa State. You're going with Iowa I'm State in that I'm going to take Iowa one. State in okay. that game. Give them a You're W sure there. You sure it's the 19th? It is. That's at least what I saw. It was a day or two ago okay. when they announced, but it, it was postponed a week is what I saw. And I think a lot of these games, uh, what, four different ones? Three three or four have been mm-hmm. have been postponed by in the Big 12 in their non-conference game. And I think all of them have targeted that, that September 19th date okay. as they'll move it back. I'm with you. I know 
at times this summer. I think we were both trying to talk ourselves into TCU. It doesn't look like Max Duggan's going to play, at least not here initially. His backup is a walk-on. I know walk-ons can be pretty good. There's great success stories as walk-ons. The quarterback position is a walk-on outside of Baker Mayfield. Pretty slim pickings <laughs> there. I'm concerned with TCU. I, I think they're in for maybe another rough season. So I think Iowa State wins, and I think wins this one pretty comfortably in Week 2. All right, Oklahoma pays a visit. That'll be the first home game after Louisiana. First home game in October. There may be fans in the building. Uh, Oklahoma was on the ropes last uh, last year in, uh, uh, in Norman. Uh, Campbell went for two. I thought it was the right call when he did it. I have no problem with what he did. If there was pass interference, they're not going to get that called. Uh, but clearly could have gone Iowa State's way. This game won't. I'm going to pick Oklahoma to win this football game. Yeah, I'm not going to go against the grain with you here. We are in lockstep 2-1 and one through the first three games of the season. Uh, then uh, Texas Tech, the Red Raiders pay a visit. This is this is a team that I still think is a year away. They've got some players, but I'm not ready to put Texas Tech back amongst the heavy heads in the Big 12 uh, as of now. And I'm with you. Quarterback play is always key to them, even with Wells now, their new coach, who's implementing, I guess, a little bit more of a traditional-like system compared to you know throwing it around 70 times a game that we've seen in the past. I like what Wells is doing. I think he's recruiting at least a decent clip, but like you, I think this is an Iowa State team that's just frankly better than Texas Tech at this point. I will take the clone. So we are still... Exactly the same four games. Three in. and one, and off they go. They will head to Stillwater to take on Oklahoma State. This is the team that a lot of people that follow college football have as the, well, if not, Oklahoma, Texas, then whom? And Oklahoma State seems to be that answer a lot. They've got a terrific wide receiver. We know about the running back. We know about the quarterback. Defense is better. I'm going to give Oklahoma State this football game. I think Iowa State goes on the road and suffers their first road loss of the year, and they do so against Oklahoma State. All right, well, let's uh, just keep going down this path. I had this in pen right before we started, so I'm not just matching up what you have, but we are matched up here. Oklahoma State I also have in the L column. Now, this two-game stretch here at Kansas, Baylor at home. Mm-hmm. Feels like it should be 2-0. and mm-hmm. When I wrote it down, I put 2-0, and but... There's just something. What's well, got to be the Baylor game that's, that's giving you pause? Is it? You think Kansas? Yeah, is Kansas had him down in, in Jack Trace last year. You know in the what? Kansas, Kansas has got every. every Puka's now back. And then. I know he is, but he doesn't have a lot of help. Um, that's a better Kansas team than what we've seen. They are. Who did they pick off last year? They get Boston College on a Friday night yes, last yeah. year. Early in the season, early. maybe week it was one, early. Yeah. Well, one or two. Yeah, but um, it was early on in the year. Mm-hmm. That's a team that is making steps. They, they still have a long ways to go. Be careful there. Just be careful in that one. I wouldn't be shocked to see one of those two go in the L count, well, but I do have record. both wins. So you got them both wins? I okay. Do. Uh, K-State pays a visit November 21st, weekend before Thanksgiving. K-State, Iowa State, don't have to remind anybody. Mm-hmm. Don't, I, I, this isn't the year for K-State. Okay. You, you can't put this in the win column. I am. I am. What? I'm putting. I'm, they're going to. Hey, have you watched Cyclone football I, for the I last have, 25 years? He bet on I, the air. I absolutely haven't. As bad as we think, not as bad as big of a question mark as Iowa State's line is going to be, and it might be bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same boat for K State. K State doesn't have the quarterback that Iowa State has. We're assuming Brock Purdy's on his uh, standing upright by then. Uh, I'm going to. Iowa State will beat K State this year. I know, I know that's crazy to say because they never do, but this year they will. Okay, you'll be wrong on that one. I'm putting that in the L column. Anybody that puts the that a win there. 
Come on, you can't do oh, that. No, we mean, know the history. I, we do know And I'm going to play with history here. Give me an L for Iowa State in the K-State game. Two Texas w Black Friday. in K-State. Now, this one, I don't like the fact that it's moved to Black Friday. It reminds me of the Thanksgiving uh, Texas game always on Thanksgiving night, the A&M tilt. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so good. T- Texas is... Um, they get they get payback this year. They'll beat Iowa State um, this year. Putting that in, in the, the loss column. column. I also have that in the loss column. We finish up with West Virginia. Here's an intriguing team to uh, end the year. What are they going to look Better like in year two? Better than last year, yeah. Better than last year, but by the end of the season, they got a long road trip. Who knows what the weather's going to be like here first Saturday in December. Last time we saw first Saturday in December t- uh, game, it was those pesky Drake Bulldogs. <laughs> uh, West Virginia does, uh, gets back on the airplane with a, with a big fat L. I will give it to Iowa State. Therefore... I'm seven and three. I'm assuming you'll give the win to Iowa State. I did give them a win in this one. Six I'm intrigued by West Virginia. I'm at six and four. So we're both on the positive side of things. But like I said, that two something funky happens in either the Baylor the game Kansas or the Kansas Baylor game. Stretch, huh? West Virginia at the end of the year. What's more likely, eight and two or four and six? Well, uh, eight and two or four. What's more likely, eight and two or four and six? Eight and two is more likely. Iowa yeah. State's not one of those sub five hundred teams anymore. I'm on the other side. Are you? They can lose the Louisiana game. One of those two, it's Baylor, tough. Kansas. I'm with you. West Virginia. I think they can still lose. There's plenty of losable games in here. There are very few layups, and in fact, I think you could say no layups here. I don't see them in the same conversation with that Oklahoma tier, which is a tier in itself. Well, if I'm, I mean, to get to eight and two in my scenario, all they would have to do is beat Oklahoma State. Right. Right, and I'm right in the middle there between the two at the six and four that could go either direction. That last hurdle. Now, if you were to say what's more likely, eight and two or five and five, I might have bought in. Okay. I just don't see them sub five hundred. I just you don't. don't know. With an offensive line where we have well, no clue. No, that's yeah, that's a good point. We got a couple of guys coming back, but that is look the defense is as good as they've had in a long time. No Ray Lima. That, no, I know I that's know. been a sticking I point know. in our conversations. Mm-hmm. I just think that's such a big, big yeah. key. What is Jaquan Bailey when he comes back? Is he the guy that we saw before? It's happened plenty of times before. Yeah. He's undersized, mm-hmm. and now just a tick off. But he's, he's one more sack. Is he one away from tying or leading outright in the Iowa yeah, I don't know if he's a half sack behind yeah, the, the all-time record or But full. He, if he stays healthy, he will leave oh, yeah. as Iowa State's all-time sack leader. Uh, I put a lot of faith in Bankston. I, I know do. you do. I, I think this kid looks the part. i got to see that one. I'm going seven and three, and I'm going seven and three, and I feel pretty good about it. Six and four, with the K State loss. With the K State loss, <laughs> that's the layup of this whole schedule, Ken. That's the easiest layup. It, it there. has been over the last few years. There's no doubt. Even about the one that. game they've won over the last decade was fluky. That fourth quarter comeback, yeah, the defensive yeah, touchdown. They, they've they've had some fourth oh, quarter collapses yes, I mean, of all time. They've had some flukes go back the Paul other. Rhodes uh, coll- was it was yeah I think that was the K State collapse. What were they up in that one game at the oh, half? They're up a huge number. It was like twenty four or something like that. S- something. They'd talk about a house yeah, of horrors. K State Paul Rhodes. Yeesh. We're on uh, record. Yep, six and four for you, seven and three for me. Now let now let oh boy. Let's not put any salt in that wound. All right, uh, so tomorrow we are going to have Where Lee we, Sterling. You were yeah, going to go Iowa yeah, there? I didn't mind buying a big stupid yeah. joke. We'll, we'll do that in, be zero we'll and zero. do that in November. In November. Yeah. Fingers crossed. At the very least, let's get that 
happening. Did you have you even checked it? Uh, no, the dope tweets today, sir. Yeah, I got to do it. You're I'm way gonna... too deep in sir. Yeah. You love that dude. I just, I don't love him, Trent. I'm holding out hope that he's going to get he one is, right. He's a kid making crap up. He knows he's nothing. He's got 31,000 followers. When I first went over there, he had like, I don't know, 15,000. People are buying into this kid. And they're like me. They're hoping against hope that he gets one right. Guy knows nothing. Uh, we'll see. Probably you're right. But you're wrong about K-State. Miller and Condon, out of time. Thanks for being with us. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. KXNO and 106.3 FM. Next local talk, Murph and Andy at 2. Fanatics at 4. Morning Rush tomorrow at 6 a.m. Have a wonderful day.